terrified, let me tell you. But I just, um, when Leon asked me uh, quite a few weeks ago if I would share something in this inspired series, um, I didn't have a problem, actually, who inspired me out of the scriptures. Because all, probably through my Christian experience, I'm always dragged back to Esther, always, for all the things she went through. And, um, and all through my Christian life up to now, you know, there's lots of things that are very similar to my experiences. Um, but before you gentlemen switch off thinking I'm going to talk about beauty queens and the latest cosmetic treatments, uh, please don't, because it's nothing to do with that at all. Because I'm going to speak about Esther and a royal performance. We all have a royal performance. Um, and it's fantastic this morning. We, we, we you know, sung so many songs about the kingship, about majesty. It's just, it really was amazing, really, how it all fits together. But before that, I'd like you to just watch a little clip. Get the feeling like you were meant to do something extraordinary? You're enjoying that too much. I thought I better step in there. I'm not going to do any moves like that. <laughs> but um, the reason I showed that clip is because it is Britain's Got Talent. And it's something we've probably all seen a bit of, whether we've ever watched it from start to finish. Um, and the aim of Britain's Got Talent is to find someone, a group, a partnership that would have an original act. They would have a talent or a gift even if it was unusual, I mean, the, the most recent one, there was somebody on there that was swallowing mobile phones and rings and things. It was very strange. Um, and you've got the others that are in every year dancing with their pets, you know, and singing, the birds that can sing and stuff like that. Very, very unusual. The prize, though, for winning Britain's Got Talent was to perform on the Royal Variety Performance Show in front of the Queen. This would hopefully kickstart their career in show business to get them rich so that they could become a celebrity. And it was great. That guy said right at the beginning, do you sometimes think you are here for something extraordinary? And I believe we all are. All those that are chosen by God, that are called by God, I believe we all are here for something extraordinary. But it's what, whether you take up, you know, the, the commission that's been given to you. And going to Esther, into her background in chapter 1, it talks about how, you know, Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians. The Jewish people had been scattered and were in exile. And many of them lived in Persia. 
the story you all know, King of Xerxes or Ahasuerus, depends on which uh, you know, version you're reading, he throws a party and he invites the queen, Vashti, at that time to come and to present herself before his guests. She refuses and, uh, you know, this sort of sends a great ripple throughout not only the country, the palace, the country. And, you know, and the king and his advisors had decided that, you know, they weren't going to put up with this, this insolence. They thought it was just ridiculous uh, that the, king should refu- the queen should refuse to stand before the king. So then the king and his advisors, and I mean, you can read all this in, in Esther chapter 1. They decide that they should look for a new queen. And this is where Britain's Got Talent sort of, you know, comes into the end. They look for a new queen. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, Esther. Let me just read a few verses. Later, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let's search, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint com- com- commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. And let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Joah, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Among those taken captives with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Enter Esther. She had three minutes to make herself famous. No, she didn't. She had 12 months that she was prepared just to meet with the king. And that is the only time I'll mention cosmetics and treat, beauty treatment because that's what the 12 months was about. It was making her beautiful for the king. My first point in this is um, that I believe we're all, we all have a royal appointment. Um, I believe I have one. And it's recognizing that you have been appointed for something. And as children of the king, we should realize, you know, that God has appointed us to do something for him. Appointment is being an appointing or being appointed. It's a naming or selecting for an office, for a position, something similar. Little did Esther know at that time she was being appointed twice. First and most importantly by God and secondly by King Xerxes. And this is where my experience starts to come in. Um, when we're asked to take on responsibility, you know, whether it be in our community, like the church community, whether it be in the community where we live, you know, nothing to do with church and Christian things. But, you know, somebody might say, would you like to join Neighbourhood Watch? Would you like to help with the youth work? You know, kids down and out on the street need some help. Sometimes we're asked to change our job role like I was and move to a different p- department. 
And I really felt that, you know, God was appointing me for something, but I was so scared because he moved me out of a learning and development environment into a recruitment environment in the NHS. And those that work in the NHS know the hoops and things that you have to jump through to get a job in there. And I really felt that God had put me in a, a place where I was going to struggle. And I felt I had to take up the appointment because I wasn't sure whether I actually had a choice. Even though I was asked, I wasn't sure I could actually say no. But I, I took it because I felt it was, you know, right. I had no previous experience in recruitment. I had no idea about government law, about employment law, about um, CRB checks, about immigration laws. And, and these are the things that are all involved in that role. I also had to take on a team of 11 staff that they had so many issues. And I just thought, I've come from a haven to this, you know, and I felt... Like, sometimes I felt like I'd gone into, not hell itself, but it was very tough, you know, uh, amongst a group of people that loved to sort of um, go to seances and, you know, go and listen to mediums and this sort of thing. It was very, it was very tough, a very dark, really, environment, because they thought that was okay. Um, and so I found it very hard. And then also I'd got the other added... Uh, difficulty was that the fact that they knew more about recruitment than I did I hadn't got a clue and they knew all about and I was coming to manage them it was a very very difficult time however I felt that God had appointed me just like Esther she wasn't sure but you know I felt that God had appointed me to that position and you know sometimes it is going to be hard and it doesn't always look great at first and I think about in Genesis where we read about Joseph and you read about how his brothers had put him in a pit, then sold him to slavery, how he'd been to prison, all the things that he'd gone through. And then he, he was in charge of a palace. And then he became ruler over the Egypt. Not a good start, but what a fantastic finish. And then you think of Moses, you know, in a basket down the River Nile. And then he's picked up and he lives in the palace. He murders somebody. So... He did something wrong, like we all do. And he went into exile. He went to hide. And then God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and to see amazing miracles that he saw. And that's in Exodus 2 onwards. And then you've got David, just a shepherd boy. You know, in all intents and purposes, to the human eye, he wasn't really in the running, was he? to be anointed by Samuel, yet God had chosen him above all his brothers. So what I'm saying is all of these people did not just swan into a higher position or a more prestigious role. It came from struggles and much prayer and lots of soul searching. And you only have to read Psalm, the Psalms to see what David went through, even though he knew he was appointed by God. God can use you just as he uses me. But the thing is, we have to be willing to be used. And I, that is the key. Because he's not going to force anything on you. He's, he wants to use you. But he wants you to be willing to be used yourself. So that's the royal appointment. So the royal assignment... And a sign means a duty you are signed to perform. 
and it could be hazardous. And it usually is, isn't it, <laughs> when you're working with God? Well, our hazardous. It depends on, uh, you know, how you view when something is hazardous. It's out of your comfort zone. It's something different. It's something that you're not equipped for naturally. And God's called you to do something. And you think, you know, like now, me standing up here. <laughs> hazardous duty. <laughs> but um, I really believe that, you know, Esther was accountable to Mordecai who was her guardian, to the people of Israel, her people, and most importantly, to God. We all have an assignment, as I said. Mordecai had his, Esther had hers, and we have ours. And you know something? This is part of the bigger picture. We don't know sometimes why we do what we do, why God wants us to do stuff. We haven't got no idea, but you just feel compelled to do it. Esther did not disclose who she was in all of this, her background or her nationality. Whatever her reasons were at the time, or Medikai's reasons for advising her not to, it was all part of God's plan. Sometimes we do not need the whole picture. We just need to learn to trust God more. And I know if I knew it all beforehand, I would do a runner like Jonah. Because there was just no way... If God had showed me some of the things I've had to go through, that, um, that I would be able to do it. But God's faithful. Mordecai could not have done what Esther did, and neither could Esther have stepped into his shoes. It's their assignment. It's individual. It's for them. It's your assignment. It's especially for you especially for me. But you know, these things don't happen without struggle, do they? As we move into Esther 3. You know, there's a lot of struggles in the Christian walk. And anybody who tells me that they don't have any difficulties, any struggles, any problems, because, you know, they're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'm telling you, there's something wrong, seriously wrong, because... It's, we're doing life here. I'm done in life imprisonment. I mean, we're doing life as in, you know, life. We're living life here on this earth. It's not perfect. So how can our lives be? But you see, the thing is, we have a hope and God has a plan. So, in Esther chapter 3, it talks of, this is where Haman comes in. And you know, not only God has a plan, but Satan has a plan. And he uses people to trip us up and sometimes to make us think, you know, I need to look at myself here because I'm probably not who I think I am or who I've been saying I am because he accuses and he sends people to accuse you. Satan had a plan in the form of Haman and he was a man with issues. <laughs> you imagine you've got the whole of uh, Persia bowing before you every time you walk past and one man decides not to and he can't sleep and he's like in a state over it. One man. But he hadn't got complete control. He had issues. And he started to scheme and to plot. Even to the point of building a gallows for Mordecai. Everything seemed against them. But God's plans are far more superior, supreme, 
and can overwrite everything that the enemy has planned for our lives. Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. And I'll tell you something. If you go through stuff, there's a reason for it. And just take it on the chin and go through it. And just say, God, just help me to trust you more. Because there are going to be times when you feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've had enough. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way sometimes. You know, you're walking with God and you think, you know, hang on, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying to be authentic. I'm trying to have some sort of integrity before you. And I just seem to be getting battered down all the time. But I am telling you, there's no other way. This is the best way. And I'll tell you something. And I know we've heard it so many times from this platform, you know, that it makes us better people. The struggles do make you a better person. So, the enemy has planned lots of plans against his people. And sometimes we need to remember this. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is our heritage. That's what the scripture is saying. It's our heritage. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. And has been said so many times, he didn't say the weapon wouldn't be forged. He just said it wouldn't prevail. And it's not saying that it won't hurt us. And sometimes bring us down for a little while. But you know, soon enough, God's strength brings us back up again. And we're stronger for it. Believe me, you will be stronger for it. Never be afraid to embrace a struggle. It's hard at the time. And I tell you, just get people around you to pray when you're in it. Because that's what supported me over lots of different things that I've had to face. It's people praying. And I know that people have prayed for me. I felt their prayers. So that's your royal assignment. So you've been appointed to a task. You've been assigned some duty. And now you have to perform it. You've got to do it. You've got to go for it. So a royal act. That which is done or doing. The the exercise of power or the effect of power. A state of reality or real existence as opposed to a possibility or possible existence. It's a process of doing it. It's an action. It's the in the act, in the very doing of, on the point of, to perform, to execute. It doesn't say you might do it. It doesn't say, you know, we can hover a little, or we might just get there. It says to perform, to execute. And I do believe that we're called to execute certain things for God and I know in my workplace um, I'll give you an example I've said that my team are very much uh, they love things about you know um, fortune and somebody mystics and all that sort of stuff and they went to mediums and all all sorts of things but one particular incident that happened at work which I've got to share with you because I tell you God is just so amazing Um, the team one of the girls in the team had uh, a she knew this person that was a medium and you could talk to people on the other side. And uh, she invited that person to her home and she invited the team to her home. And she said, oh, Pat, I'm not going to invite you because I know you don't really agree with it. And I said, yeah, I don't agree with it. I said, you know what worries me? I said, you're thinking you're contacting 
a friend, family, or whoever, I said, do you know when you open those doors, you don't know who's coming in? And I says, and that is what frightens me for your lives. And they're young. They're not, you know, I don't think there's none of them in there that's as old as me. They're all younger than me. But it's this uh, fascination uh, with uh, things that they don't know and secret things. They've got to know about it. So I said, well, don't worry. I said, uh, I'll be praying. <laughs> and straight away they said, oh, you know, Pat's going to pray because they know I'm a Christian. Um, and I said, okay. I said, uh, I'm going to pray. And I tell you, and I spoke to our prayer group on a Monday night, and I said, you know, we need to pray because I really believe God's going to show them something here. And they went to the event, and they were all excited on the evening, and they'd gone after work. The morning came. Not a word was said. And I thought, what's the matter with these people? I thought, you know, they were all like this buzz they had the day before. And, and all of a sudden, there was nothing, and I couldn't understand it. And I said um, to one of the girls, I said, so um, didn't you have a good night then? What, what happened? Nobody said anything. You're all so excited. And one of the girls said, absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> and I went, hmm, oh. <laughs> and one of the girls said, um, said to me, were you praying? And I said, well, I can't lie. I was. And they said, I knew it was you. I said to them, I bet Pat's praying for our souls. <laughs> And that's what, she, and these are non-Christian people, you know. So sometimes when we act, do things, you know, we're doing it for a purpose. God is going to use it. No matter how small it might seem. And sometimes it will seem very insignificant to you. But I tell you, it's a link to a very long chain of drawing somebody to God. And I just feel that we have to take up our part and do our bit. So Esther heard Mordecai's concerns because he told her. You know, Haman has got this plan. He's going to kill off all our people. We need to do something. But, you know, like many of us, I think for a moment she forgot who she was. She forgot who she was serving. And she was just thinking, hmm, I'm pretty comfortable here. I don't want to rock this boat. I'm quite happy, thank you very much. Until she was reminded that she was not safe just because she was in the palace. And that maybe she was there for this purpose. And Esther 4, 12 to 14 says, Mordecai, he sent back this answer to her. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And the amount of times I've heard that in my life, through all the places I've worked at, all the people I've come into contact with, who knows that God has called me to this place, to this environment, to that community, to that job for such a time as this. There's people that we need to make contact with. And we need to be aware that you know, we work with people that don't know God and they need to know him. And you know, sometimes I know when people are going through terrible experiences, we think, oh, I can't possibly talk about God. You know, they'll think I'm just, you know, um, they'll think I'm just, you know, sort of, what do you say? I'm trying to think of the words to say. They think that you're just sort of, you know, using their situation 
you know, to promote God and the gospel. But I tell you, they need to hear that there's somebody that cares. Even in their deepest, most distressed moments, they need to hear that God cares about them and loves them. So Esther heard Mordecai's concerns. And after he reminded her why she was in there, you know, uh, she decided, right, I need to take some action. Because, you know, burying our heads in the sand achieves absolutely nothing. Other than sand filling every orifice until you have suffocated yourself and then you're unable to do anything at all. It also brings spiritual death to souls that God wants to reach. I really believe that. Because there's sometimes, I'm not saying, you know, let me just rephrase that. It can bring spiritual death. Because I do believe that sometimes when we miss it, God raises up somebody else to do what we didn't do. Because he loves everybody. And he wants all to be in his kingdom. He wants all to know him. He loves all. So therefore, if we miss it, he will use somebody else. So what I'm saying to you is, we are here for a purpose. You know, sometimes, don't you think that you are here to do something extraordinary? And it's true. You need to know what it is, and you need to act on it. Yeah, but you might be saying to me, Pat, it's great pay, it's great prospects. You know, I really don't want to rock this boat. I'm quite happy, thank you very much. But you need to remember, God has called you for such a time as this. He's put you where you are for such a time as this. Esther was jolted back to reality. We read that in Esther 4, 15. Prayer and fasting was the key. And it wasn't just for her. It was for Mordecai. It was for the people of Israel and her maids. Now, I often wonder about that because I'm thinking, well, I'm sure they weren't Jews and they weren't Christians, but she made them pray and fast as well. You know, sometimes you just got to call the people around you. I'll tell you, a, a personal experience going through stuff with my eldest son, hard. Can I tell you, I remember walking the canals in Hockley, near City Hospital on a lunchtime with friends and we prayed that God would keep his hand on him and I believe he has he called him from very very young and even though he strayed off the path I tell you I will never 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 give up praying for him because I feel it's my duty to bring him before God every time and I tell you if you've got children and they're young start now because I tell you it's a tough old world out there and you know the enemy doesn't take any prisoners he takes them and he destroys them and okay you know my son ain't that bad but I've heard others Christian people that the children are in prisons because of peer pressure it's a terrible thing we need to pray for our young people and even when you think they're great pray because I tell you, you don't know when, God, you don't know when the enemy is going to whip their feet from under them. Because I tell you, he will try and they need to be strong. And you need to encourage them from a very, very early age. 
to walk close to God. Make the Christian walk exciting as well. Don't make it boring and a bunch of rules. Because I tell you, that's another problem. Because they just think we're a boring bunch of footy. I never thought I'd ever say that. <laughs> I'm only just 50. <laughs> You know, but they do. They think we're boring and, you know, we're all fuddy-duddies. But we're not. We're alive in God. We've got so much in us. Make the Christian walk. Make your Christian experience exciting to them so that they don't think, oh, you know. Talk about God like he's the best thing. He's the best thing since sliced bread. Over sliced bread. (laughs) He's the best. You know, make him exciting to your family. Make him exciting to your grandchildren if you've got them. I'll tell you, my mom, before she died, she was so close to my boys, so close. And her Christian walk was like amazing. I'll tell you, my husband actually said at her memorial service, he said, you know, he said, talking to mom was very difficult. He says, because I never knew when mom stopped talking and God took over. He couldn't tell the difference between the two. Now, you know, for me, that was a fantastic legacy my mum left for me and for my children. But I tell you, pray for them. For your grandparents, pray for them because it's important. We live in a very, very, very difficult age. And I really do believe that, you know, the enemy is out to take our youngsters and we need to claim them back for Jesus. Esther was jolted back to reality. As I said, prayer and fasting was the key. These were like people, her maids. They all had to pray. Esther 4.15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And I tell you, sometimes, you know, when God has called you to something, even when all around you is screaming, you are crazy to do this, you have to take that word. If I perish, I perish. If you've prayed, if you've sought God, if his word has said to you, go. If people that you know and trust and you believe and you know they're walking with God themselves and they have encouraged you to move, then you go. Because you have to come to a place where you say, If I perish, I perish. But go with what God is saying to you because that's the most important thing that you could do. Do we pretend sometimes we've not heard when we've been challenged? When words have been spoken to us by a Christian or a non-Christian, sometimes it's difficult. We don't feel like we can stand up and say anything. Maybe someone has spoken into your life and you know that it's for you, but it's easier not to even go there. Because you like life as it is. Esther could have stayed in the harem and pampered herself until there was nothing left of her. Where would that have left Mordecai and her people? Spiritual death to you. As you can only fight against what God is saying to you for so long. And then he, God, has to use someone else. Let's not let it get that far. If he's called you, whatever it is. And I'll tell you. I don't want to hear that you're over 80. I don't want to hear that you're only 10. I don't want to hear that you've got a disability. I don't want to hear, you know, all the different things because God can use you. Because I'm telling you now, you will go through life feeling that you have missed the boat. Your calling, your purpose, your destiny. 
your royal performance. Royal performance is modern day. I just picked a few, and you can tell how old I am because these were the people of my day. David Wilkinson, the cross and the switchblade. What a performance. What a royal performance. Corrie ten Boone in the concentration camps. Now, you tell me Christians don't have struggles. Jackie Pullinger, she wrote that book, didn't she? Chasing the Dragon. Look what she went through. Look what she achieved. What a royal performance. The king, his aim was the girl had to be beautiful. His prize was she would become queen. God, our king, his aim, we have to be obedient, whatever the cost. God's prize to us is saving the Israelite nation. Well, this was for Esther, fulfilling God's purpose for her life, increasing her faith, eternal life, and so on and so on. God's people has got talent. Their aim, you need to be obedient to God. His prize to achieve his purposes for our lives, to receive the prize, to live with him forever. Otherwise, as I said before, you will go through life feeling that you have missed the boat, your calling, your purpose, your destiny, your royal performance. Paul says in Acts 20, verse 24, let me just read that. If I can find it. Verse 24, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And I'll tell you, I was reading in the New Living Translation, which I found it really, really enlightening. It says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let us, when we meet with the King of Kings, he says, what a performance. What a life given over to me. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's do our royal performance and let's make our lives count because it's so important. God wants to do so much through us. Let's run that race.